broadcasting from the heartland of America in the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. So wonderful to have you along with us here for another weekend, man. Getting closer to the end of 2023. Getting closer to that Christmas celebration the New Year celebration. I, today's new time of New Year celebrations. We like to celebrate it in April, right? <laughs> That's another conversation for another time. Welcome into it. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, at the Hoosier Media Network Studios. So wonderful to have you with us for another weekend. I am planning on, hopefully, theoretically, allegedly, planning on getting my Christmas lights up this weekend. We'll see how well that goes uh, as we get move closer. Pretty soon it's going to be like I put them up, and then the next day I'm going to have to take them back down anyway. So how much do we really want to invest in that project? These are the questions. Uh, everybody, hopefully you had a great one as well. Coming up, bottom of this hour, Steve Gorham. He is the author of the book, The Green Breakdown. We'll talk about the U.N. Climate Conference that just happened recently. Everybody flying in and their beautiful, massive, big private jets all over into Europe talking about how bad we're ruining the environment by, like, carbon and stuff with your private jets. Did you see there was actually a line of the private jets that were lined up on the runways trying to take off when the conference was done? Like, tons of them just lined up ready to go, and they were all jammed because they couldn't take off. And it just showed how much money is there at these conferences because of, well, the rich and elite trying to tell us how to live our lives. We can't drive to work in 20 minutes in our car because that's really bad for the environment. But you can fly halfway around the world in your private jet, not even commercial, private jet, to tell us about how bad the environment actually are. So we'll do that here in a little bit with Steve Gorham, bottom of the hour, looking forward to that conversation. You can find us all over our social media at Hoosier Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason, and the website at HoosierReason.com. Sign up for the newsletter there. See all the blogs, all the great content that we have each and every day. And uh, always appreciate you becoming the latest and greatest Hoosier Holic and joining the crazy family that we are here on the radio program. I want to do something a little bit different to start off the show today. And I want to step back and not pay attention to our domestic, if you want to put it, mainstream media, hashtag fake news. I want to do a 30,000 foot view and I want to look at the rest of the globe in the direction that we're going politically around the world because we can get so caught up in the weeds between campaigns and trash talking and the way that we go after each other in Washington, D.C. or on the campaign trail or who's right or who's wrong and every tiny little minuscule issue. And it's fun to do for a while, but we're already still a year away from the presidential election of 2024 and we're already getting fatigued by the issues. So I want to step back for a moment and see if what we're doing here in the United States is actually working. If other nations are going through the same thing that we are, and if other nations have candidates or have the ideas or the vision of what we're doing here in the United States. And it seems like there's been a grassroots movement nationwide of the people. Now, for those that don't know, I hate and I despise using the term the people. We the people. What does we the people mean? Well, we've always been divided. We've never been united. We've always been kind of united in the sense that we support America, but even that's starting to fade away now with so many anti-Americans that are in the country saying that uh, chickens are coming home to roost and that America is the most horrible place on the face of the earth. So we're seeing more division now. But even then, while that was our one unifying moment, we never really saw the people be represented because the people 
is not really a thing. There's always been difference in opinion, difference in vision, difference in idea. That's why a global government will never work, why a global religion will never work, a global unified uh, collective mindset will never work because no one will ever agree on everything all at the same time. It'll never happen, ever. But what are happening in the trends across the world right now? Because right now we're seeing a massive movement in the United States, at least on the Republican side of the aisle, center-right for the most part in the country. We're seeing a movement where we're tired and disbelieving and distrusting in federal agencies. We don't trust the federal government. We don't trust the agencies. We don't trust the establishment. We don't trust the quote-unquote deep state. And more and more conspiracy theories and conspiracy individuals continue to rise in the country about what's going on in the deep state because we don't understand what they're doing. They're not transparent. They have all these secrets from us. And secrets breed conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory bleeds distrust. And that's I'm not saying that's a bad thing because we're on that side. We see what's going on in Washington, D.C. And a lot of the stuff that we've predicted to be as quote-unquote conspiracy theory ends up becoming true. So it's not saying it's a bad thing, but there's a distrust in, quote unquote, the system to the point where we read a few weeks ago that there was a study that showed a vast majority of Americans, close to 70 percent, don't trust the democracy that we live in. (laughs) Now, we don't have a democracy. We have a constitutional republic, but they don't they don't trust the system that they think that we're functioning under. So my question is now, looking at the 30,000-foot view and seeing if we're on the right track or if we're just kind of the weirdos out there in the world, if there's other things like this going on around the, around the globe. And bouncing around, we're saying that it's kind of funny to watch because either we started this trend or we're just right on boat with the rest of the country. There are a lot of different nations that are doing this. If you know, let's go down south for just a moment, down to the country of Argentina. And I don't know if you've paid attention to this guy or if you even listened to the interview that Tucker Carlson did with this guy about a month or so ago, but the new president-elect of Javier Milley, the new president down in Argentina, according to the Washington Post, where Donald Trump actually said that he plans to attend the inauguration of the new president coming up soon. And the guy did an interview, fantastic conservative, kind of a populist conservative, like a Trump-esque type of individual, wants to overhaul the deep state, wants to bring more transparency wants to overturn the tables, wants to bring back fiscal conservatism. Sounds like a great guy. Argentina in South America, trying to clean up a lot of the corruption and the establishment going on in that area. Now let's move over to Europe for a second, and let's go to Yahoo News, where the media, of course, has to do the hit job here. The many faces of the women taking German far-right politics mainstream. And, of course, they try to relate the far-right politics being the first large movement of quote-unquote far-right conservatism since Adolf Hitler in World War II with the Nazis, which we don't have time to get into in this conversation, but uh, of course is the laughingstock of how delusional the mainstream media is trying to apply right-wing politics to Nazism and fascism because those are completely polar opposites. We need to look at the progressive side of things and remind them very politely but very consistently that Adolf Hitler was actually a national socialist. Nonetheless, uh, there's the story from Alice Weidel, who is part of a new uh, rising political party there known as the Alternative for Germany Party or the AFD, where they're coming in ranking second right now in the country's political parties out of however many parties there are in the nation are out of their six main parties right now with a near 20% support nationwide, putting them in second place. And their platform is to try and get fiscal responsibility back under control, stopping illegal immigrants coming into the country and trying to cut out the deep state, 
trying to close the borders, talking about illegal immigration. Seems to be an ongoing conversation, right? We have Donald Trump here. Illegal immigration's bad. We need to have the beautiful door, the big walls and the beautiful door. We got to let the beautiful people in. It's going to be a wonderful thing, right? That was Donald Trump's whole thing during his administration and what he's running on again. We have now Germany with the ongoing issues in the Middle East and all the stuff with uh, Russia and Ukraine and all the global um, uncertainty right now where they're talking about illegal immigration. Need to close the border. Need to stop spending massive amounts of money. We need to get things under control. That's labeled now as fascist is the next Hitler Nazi party in the far right because that's how the media is proposing this. Then we go up to the country of Ireland, which, of course, we have to play the clip because I love this guy. And yeah, okay, for those that don't know and may be new to the program, total fanboy of Conor McGregor of the UFC. I don't really care what you have to say. You can like him, hate him, can't wait for his UFC return. But sounds like he's jumping into the realm of politics as well. As what it sounds like almost, and imagine if you would, a Donald Trump presidency in the U.S. and a Conor McGregor presidency in the nation of Ireland, as it has been pitched out the idea that he could potentially run for office or at least be heavily involved in politics over there. Why? If you haven't read the story, there was a few weeks ago a nine-year-old girl in Ireland who ended up dying from an attack from an illegal alien in the country of Ireland. And Connor lost his you-know-what and is calling on the government to seal the borders, deport the illegal aliens, and make sure that we have a strong immigration policy in the nation of Ireland. Because how dare that a citizen of the country, a nine-year-old girl, be a victim to an illegal alien when they see massive crime rates shooting through the roof there in Ireland, and many of their politicians, the vast majority of them, being extremely left progressives that are advocating for open border policies, just like every other progressive across the European nations. So looking just at these three examples, and there's so many more out there as well, but these three examples alone, four examples, I guess, including the United States, Donald Trump, Argentina, Germany, Ireland, we're seeing a movement right now where none of them are necessarily idealistic or purists in a political ideology, but are more of a populist mindset and on the conservative end of the populist mindset. Now, from a theoretical sense and a philosophical sense, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of what we call populism because populism can be very dangerous. Populism is just what the emotional state of the people are at the time where they want to emotionally react to something and try and fix it when you and when you react on emotion as opposed to reacting on like rationale then you end up doing a lot of harm than you do actually do good so we need to be very careful with emotional reactions which is what a vast majority of populist movements are however these populist movements are rooted in the stem of conservatism and doing what's best for their nations all of them including the one by the way the IDF in Germany looking to dismantle and walk away from the European Union, like Britain did with their Brexit. Yes, this far-right radical group that wants to be the Nazis and try to be their, you know, try to be the nationalists that they are because they're evil and horrible and fascist. They want to step away from the European Union and break away and become isolationist states like what Nazi Hitler tried to do back in the day, right? That's what they try to promote to us. So this movement's going on worldwide of people feeling unrepresented, feeling extremely frustrated, and not wanting to take it anymore from the deep state, if that's what you want to call it. And the candidates that are rising to this level are the ones that are just like, well, we're going to be the outspoken ones. 
and stand up to fight. How many politicians do we see across the United States right now between Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Jim Jordan and Ted Cruz and Myra Flores and Donald Trump? And so we could rattle off a whole bunch more that are the non-politicians that are walking in and saying, we're just going to fight you because we're not going to take this garbage any longer. We see that now again all over the world. And of course, I have to play the, the audio clip from Conor McGregor because now that he's involved in politics and calling out the government for allowing a nine-year-old Irish girl to be killed by an illegal alien and seeing crime rates go through the roof right now, that he's and he's teasing something. And I don't know what that is. According to a uh, tweet from Elon Musk, he said that if he ran for president, that he would win overwhelmingly. I know he's got huge support in his own country. He's got a lot of support elsewhere, too. Could you imagine the trash-talking Conor McGregor running Ireland while Donald Trump's running the United States? The two guys that talk smack, that don't take any crap, and would be the feisty scrappers in Washington, D.C., or at least in their capitals, fighting the other side, would be hilarious to listen to, as Conor recently made an audio clip on the Twitter, or the X, calling out one of the elected officials in Ireland that said that she wouldn't nominate him to be a dog catcher or a bathroom cleaner. Everyone, what's up? So, so just reading an article, just reading the latest hit piece from the rag that is the f- rag of all rags, <laughs> sun, the sun, the sun where the sun doesn't shine. Senator Flynn, Senator Eileen Flynn has said she wouldn't nominate me to wash the dishes. How disrespectful. Senator, I nominate you to brush your teeth. Uh, I mean, it's like taking Donald Trump to an entirely new level. This is going to be a fun year in 2024, I think. we got lots to get to. Stay right here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's America's political therapist. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. 24 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into it. Your political therapist here every single weekend. You can kick back, relax. Don't worry. I will therapy you and break down the issues of the week as we do every single weekend here on your weekend edition of the Voice of Reason. So we have a global movement of populism, people feeling like they're not being properly represented. There's a lot of different solutions for that. We've gone through them and we'll continue to break down different ways where we can do that here in the nation (laughs) i don't know like statewide electoral colleges what a concept yeah are we going to do it are we going to see politicians no probably but work in progress we'll continue to educate those and bring that light bulb aha moment to states and say you know what maybe that's the best solution for us but we have the movement down in argentina we have the idf there in germany we have conor mcgregor for crying out loud a non-politician just saying we're going to do what's best for ireland we need to deport illegal aliens we need to stop the crime rates we need to stop allowing criminals to happen and again i got to play part of the audio here because it's again just think of donald trump in irish feisty version everyone what's up so so just reading an article just reading the latest hit piece from the rag that is the f- <laughs> rag of all rags, sun. Fake news, sun. right? Fake media. The, the sun where the sun doesn't shine. Senator Flynn, Senator Eileen Flynn has said she wouldn't nominate me to wash the dishes. How disrespectful. Senator, I nominate you to brush your teeth and see the dentist <laughs> because if ever there was a cause to bring back masks, 
I would uh, call for it. You weren't even voted in. You were nominated as a token. So I'd appreciate less of the disrespect. And, uh, you know, mask up, please. God bless you. We got Ginger <laughs> Vitus in, inside on Oroctus. Inside uh, Dahl Aaron. Inside on Dahl Aaron. We have a, r- a rabid case of gingivitis and <laughs> talk. And <laughs> all right. There you go. I think we got all that beeped out, uh, Chad, so you don't have to worry about doing any edits on there. But, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, could you imagine when, when people finally say enough is enough, this is the mindset that we have. We don't care. We're going to do our thing. And whatever you say, we know that it's a bunch of you know what, and therefore we're just not going to believe it. We're just going to go do our own thing. This is where we're at across the globe. When Germany, for crying out loud, the second most popular political party in their country right now, the IDF is talking about trying to break away from the European Union, you know that there is a movement that centralized power, centralized government is not a popular thing. Look at what's going on here in the United States. Outside of Donald Trump, which is kind of the, the uh, I guess, the figurehead for that movement, trying to go in and fight against the deep state. They're coming after me. They're trying to silence me. Outside of Donald Trump, we have someone like Vivek Ramaswamy. Again, whether you like him, dislike him, trust him or distrust him, I still have my skepticism about that guy, too. During the fourth Republican debate that happened earlier this week, uh, he really brought down the entire House with his main statement that said this. I think the real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. That the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform. That the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech. That the 2016 election, the one that Trump won for sure, was also one that was stolen from him by the national security establishment (laughs) that actually put up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that they knew was false. There's a reason why I'm the only person on the stage who can say these things. That's what it's going to take, not people who are licking his boots one time and now Monday morning quarterbacking and criticizing when it's convenient. I love the moderator. Okay, thank thank you. Thank you. No, 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 we can't listen to that. Can Can you hear the annoyance in her voice trying to silence her on that? Yeah, that's the new generation. That's my generation. He's a millennial. That's my generation. The people that just don't trust anybody or anything. We're tired of the lifelong politician trying to tell what to do and how they're going to change things when they haven't done it in 40 years. It's time for a change. By the way, the audience for the Republican debate was down 82% for this last one. So no one watching the secondary candidates. Kind of sad to watch as well. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, reason, and common sense. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. What's up? Always great to have you with us here. Moving through. Holy cow, this hour's flown on by so quickly. So much more to get to. So little time to do it. Strap in, buckle up. Let's have some fun. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. Always wonderful to have you with us. All of our wonderful radio affiliates. More growing each and every day. And we thank you so much. We'll have more information on that a little bit later as well. Have no fear. Your voice of reason is here. 
All right, let's shift gears a little bit. We'll get back to the global movement that we're seeing right now. But on the other front, with the global movement, as we go to our Hoosier Media Hotlines. Let's go to the Hoosier Media Hotline. We have our United Nations, or well, I guess the United Nations, I guess you want to call it, the international group, this all, this group of individuals with the UN Climate Conference that's going on right now, what they're calling the COP28, talking about the initiatives of the environmental movement moving forward. And apparently with what's happening over the weekend, as they're discussing it still this weekend during the COP28 summit in Dubai, they're talking about the best ways to phase out oil and natural gas within the next 30 years for global warming. Now, apparently, according to Reuters.com, that there was countries clashing amongst each other about these ideas to phase each other out with oil and natural gas over the uh, over the next 30 years. Why? <laughs> well, because oil and natural gas, number one, makes a buttload of money for a buttload of countries. Number two, it's still the most efficient way to actually run energy without jacking up prices and with inflation as high as it is right now thanks to the bidenomics that we're seeing across the nation here and across the globe then obviously they don't want to lose that way to actually run their nations in an economical sense so while that sounds nice on a bumper sticker from gretchen whatever her name was that uh, that tried to push the whole climate change initiative that uh, yeah this is not a reasonable way for us to go in that direction. To talk about that and so much more, really, to have uh, Happy on the program for this one. We, we haven't had him on the national program yet here. As the executive director for the Climate Science Coalition of America and his latest book, Green Breakdown, the coming renewable energy failure that came out just back in August. Happy to have on the program Mr. Steve Gorham. Steve, how are you, my friend? Hey, Andy. I'm doing great. Great to join you again. Yeah, yeah, we, got, yeah we got the COP28 going on, and it is... Uh, it is a remarkable situation. <laughs> it is wild to watch these guys. Now, it, it, what's really funny is when they show up to these different uh, climate initiatives around the world and we see the airports lined with private jets while they tell us that we can't drive our car 30 minutes to go to work, that we need to live in these 15-minute cities because we need to be more environmentally friendly. But yet they have these, you know, the, these, you know, 50 different private jets lined up on the runway trying to take off because, by golly, we need to go meet together to tell the rest of the world how to live their lives. It is the height of hypocrisy. It is probably the biggest carbon dioxide emitting event in the world this year. We have 70,000 70, people, about 98 percent of them have flown in either on private or, or public uh, jets. And for each... Uh, a pound of jet fuel you burn, you emit three pounds of carbon dioxide, and then they jump into limos and taxis so they're running gasoline or diesel fuel to get to uh, Dubai Expo City. And, uh, they, you know, they all say they want one of the resolutions is eliminate uh, oil and natural gas, eliminate hydrocarbons. But, you know, it goes further. They've all got a smartphone, which is made from plastic, which is from uh, oil or gas, uh, they all are wearing clothing, shoes and suits and ties, and I expect they're using underwear as well. And those are made from synthetics that come from hydrocarbons. And, um, you know, they, uh, they are going to be eating food, which is uh, primarily produced from synthetic nitrogen fertilizer, which comes from ammonia, which is made mostly by natural gas, or in China they make it with coal. And uh, then they, uh, this uh, food also, about 80% of it, it uses tractors uh, fueled by diesel fuel to be produced. Our society is driven by hydrocarbons. And so yeah. to, to say we're going to eliminate all those just isn't going to happen. 
No, we can't eliminate them. That's just part of our fabric of life and how we actually operate. Unless we want to go back to the times where we just have, you know, the uh, the the lambskin covering us in the middle of the woods and dance around a fire at night, which isn't a bad time to do on occasion, but we don't want to live our lifestyles like that on a regular basis. So we're not going back to that time. And if that is their idea, then that takes a whole new meaning to the idea of progressive, right? Yeah, it's really crazy. And one of the craziest <laughs> statements was made by our climate envoy, uh, John Kerry, who says we ought to ban coal-fired power plants across the world. Wow. So here's the situation with coal. There, coal produces 35% of the world's electricity right now. It's the biggest producer of, of electrical power. There are 4,000 coal plants in the world, and the world is adding about another 1,000 in planning or in construction. And uh, Missouri actually gets 77% of its electricity from coal, which is why your electricity prices are so low. Kansas gets about 39%. But we have a shortage across the world with electricity right now. 700 million people don't have access to electricity. We have hundreds of hospitals that don't have electricity. Uh, Can you imagine a hospital with no air conditioning, no electricity for an operating room, and we have another 2 billion people that have blackouts or brownouts every day or every other day. About a third of the world's people really don't have much in the way of electricity. And if you have an air conditioner at home, you use as much electricity or more as a third of the world's people use every day. So it's clear Mr. Kerry really isn't interested about, about uh, people in the developing world. He wants to get rid of coal plants because of the fear of man-made warming. And he doesn't want these people to have electricity. That really is the bottom line. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Is it true? I've heard this all the way back when I was even in college taking an environmental class that while we consume more resources and consume more energy in the United States than any other nation on the face of the earth, we're also more the most efficient at it because of the technology, because of the fact that we're a first world country. We have better technology. We have better innovations. We have better ways to actually utilize it. So we may consume more, but we're also more efficient at it as opposed to a third world country that's just starting to tap their, dip their toes into the world of electricity where it's extremely wasteful and extremely expensive because it hasn't been fine-tuned. Why are we the ones that always get blamed for all this garbage? Yeah, well, they blame us because we, uh, we've been emitting carbon dioxide for many, many years and the International Energy Agency complains that uh, coal oil and natural gas emit 80% of the world's uh, carbon dioxide, but they also produce 80% of the world's electricity or uh, world's energy. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll cut all that out, and all the energy will disappear as well. And what we really do is we have moved on to uh, uh, natural gas. We've moved on to ref- refined uh, uh, portions of petroleum. Much of the rest of the world still is using uh, wood, charcoal, dung. Uh, a lot of other things to try and produce uh, energy, and, and those tend to be very polluting. And um, and uh, we have people burning uh, uh, charcoal and wood and dung in their huts and, and getting respiratory diseases around the world. So there's a tremendous need for natural gas and for liquid petroleum gas to replace uh, the energy sources of those people and to clean up their indoor air. Yeah. How sad. We're talking with Steve Gorham. He's the executive director for the Climate Science Coalition of America. Also, his new book, Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure, that is out right now. You can go check it out on Amazon and other places as well. You mentioned John Kerry and the the push to try and end coal plants all over the world and even here in the United States. I seem to remember just not a couple of years ago during that extreme cold front that many parts of the country got that we saw natural gas prices skyrocket from like $6 per cubic square uh, cubic foot to like $600 
per cubic foot. My energy bill that month was like $2,000 for a single month. We saw blackouts in Texas for crying out loud because they refused to fire up their extra coal plants that were just sitting there. Would that be the new norm in the United States if we go down this direction and just completely shut them all down? Well, it could be. Um, Let me talk about Texas first, then I'll talk in general about outages. But uh, Texas in February of 2021 had electricity off for four and a half million people for three days. And they just really didn't have enough capacity. And the other thing that happened was, well, well, the wind and solar produced about 3% of output, 3 to 6% of their rated output. So they weren't any help when it was cold. And they had a bunch of gas lines that froze up. It took a bunch of the gas plants off, too. But there just wasn't enough capacity overall. But we have a problem right now in the U.S. Matter of fact, let me, let me read you what uh, Mark Christie uh, testified before the Senate back in June. He's a federal energy regulatory commissioner, and he said, quote, I think we're headed for very dire consequences, potentially catastrophic consequences in the United States in terms of the reliability of our grid. And he went on to say we're closing coal and natural gas plants, and in some cases nuclear, too fast, and those are the things that keep the lights on. And data from the Energy Information Administration says that they track outages And they said back in 2013, 2014, the average uh, electricity user was having an outage of about three and a half hours a year. Now that uh, 10 years later, that's up to seven or eight hours a year. It has more than doubled. And so we are, we are, the more wind and solar we put in and their problems with their intermittency, intermittency, the more problems we're going to have. Now, Texas didn't have blackouts this summer, but they issued 10 different alerts in August and September saying we don't have enough power, stop running your air conditioner, don't plug in your EV. And so, you know, we really got some issues, and we're going to get more and more problems. And this is part of the green breakdown that I talk about in my book. The more green energy that's deployed means higher energy prices and increasing frequency of blackouts, and people are going to demand a return to low-cost, reliable energy. Yeah. Yeah, well, we always go in cycles, and when we push the envelope too far, we're going to go back the other direction. And right now, they're trying to make it to where we can't. The odd part about it is that to them, in their weird ways, because they have no understanding of how to relate to the common folk here across America, is that they think if they just raise gas prices enough to where we can't buy it per gallon, then it's so expensive that we're going to trade on our 1990s vehicle that's still running pretty decently and trade it in for a brand new $100,000 electric vehicle, <laughs> which which is going to be really hilarious when they see the uh, which they're seeing right now the uh, lack of interest in uh, fully electric vehicles and those sales yeah. are down uh, on the downward trend across the nation we got to take a break here real quick it's steve gorham author of the book green breakdown the coming renewable energy failure he's also the executive director of the climate science coalition of america we'll talk about the ev industry and electric vehicles when we come back right around the corner here to wrap up hour number one for your weekend edition of the voice reason stay right here This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosier Holics gather every week, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. 
Yes, it is. Welcome back into it. Last few minutes here of hour number one on your weekend edition for The Voice Reason. We're chatting about some environmental movements. The U.N. Climate Conference going on right now. The push to end coal plants. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. The coal plants around the country and around the nation trying to go totally electric, which I don't know how we power the electricity, but by golly, we'll do electricity because that'll save the environment. We're hanging out with Steve Gorham, Executive Director for the Climate Science Coalition of America and author of the book Green Breakdown, The Coming at Renewable Energy Failure. Steve, let's talk about for a second the EV industry. We just had a six-week uh, protest and walkout from the UAW because, well, they wanted better wages and pay and benefits and so on and so forth. And uh, we're going to talk about it now. We're number two with our guests with the National Rights Work Committee about uh, the latest Supreme Court decisions on auto deductions from your paycheck for the union's to pay for them that are supporting Democrat politicians that are advancing the idea for the electric vehicle movement, that the electric vehicle movement is going to cut near a third of the workforce out of the auto industry because it doesn't take as many people to build the parts for the cars because it doesn't use oil filters or springs or other things that go through the engine. So as we go down this road, we're going to see an entire potential shift in not just the auto industry, but just in the work industry as a whole of uh, people that are going to be losing their jobs because of a push for this, quote-unquote, green energy, aren't we? There will be some of that if the whole electric vehicle movement doesn't uh, slow down a little bit. And it has hit a speed bump this year. Um, We're getting about about 8% of our new light vehicle sales are uh, EVs right now. And it's been growing quite a bit, but uh, we've got some issues now. We have. uh, It seems like the early adopter phase is over. You know, if you want a cool Tesla or you want a second car that's an EV, most of those people have purchased them. Um, But now EV EV inventories are up over 300% from last year. There's very poor demand for EV pickup trucks. The pickup truck guys don't seem to be too interested. Ford Motor is losing between 40,000 and 60,000 on each electric vehicle sold. They project a $4.5 billion EV loss this year. And Ford and GM have slowed down their introduction of ev models and you know if if you can uh if you can charge you got a garage and drive a short distance to work it works pretty well it could be inexpensive but if you've got a apartment uh running a cable out to the, the parking lot or out over the the sidewalk in the street doesn't work too well if you're in a cold area too you've got some issues i met a guy at a conference last year i was speaking at his wife had an ev and they were in cleveland and it got down to 10 degrees Fahrenheit. They didn't have a heated garage. Literally, the EV would not charge at 10 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. Now, I've got a heated garage in Chicago, but I don't want to run that all winter. That would be very expensive. And insurance is a big deal also. Uh, insurance prices are 70% higher for an EV than an uh, internal combustion engine car in the U.S. And in the U.K., it costs you about $5,000 a year now to get an EV insured. So we're running into some problems, and again, I you know I'm not against EVs, but uh, consumers ought to have a choice. Uh, the federal government and the state governments shouldn't be forcing people to get EVs on the idea that we can stop the oceans from rising. That just doesn't make any kind of sense. No, it doesn't. And like you just nailed it right on. I mean, we want choice. I mean, the free market, laissez-faire, free market, capitalist society that we're supposed to live in gives us choice. And if people want to go down this road, it's going to go there organically and naturally. But that's not what they're allowing. They're forcing the issue when it's still uh, inefficient, non-cost effective, and it's not helping the consumer. 
if we want to invest in this technology, that's great. I don't mind putting solar panels on the roof of my house. I don't mind having a windmill in the backyard or something that's running based on the power of the river that's running behind, you know, the, the ranch, if that's what you have. But at the same time, thinking that just because it works for one house means that we can just power an entire community on that is not the smart way to think. Like, these people are delusional. And the other thing is we're paying massive subsidies, like $7,500 for an EV, uh, and the batteries are subsidized also before you even get to the EV. Uh, solar, by the way, solar panels federally are the most subsidized form of energy. They're, they're about uh, 50 times as much subsidy per unit of energy produced as oil and gas, and that doesn't count states that have renewable portfolio standards where they subsidize the amount of uh, solar that you drive into the grid. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Steve Gorham, executive director of the Climate Science Coalition of America, author of book, The Green Breakdown. There's so many more directions I want to go on that conversation, but we are out of time, my friend. Steve, I appreciate it. Keep up the fight. Let's get you back on and talk again real soon. Until the next time. Until the next time. Always a pleasure. There it is. That's Steve Gorham. Go check out the book, The Green Breakdown. You can find it on Amazon and other places as well. Fascinating conversation. So much more I wanted to get to, but we didn't have time to do that. So we'll just have to have him back on the show again soon. Until then, our number two right around the corner. We have lots more to get to. What's going on around the country and around the world? We'll break that down. Plus, the National Right to Work Committee will talk about the latest Supreme Court decisions, the economy, job growth, Bidenomics, and oh, so much more. It's the Voice of Reason, your weekend edition. we got lots more to get to. Stay right here.